Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 206 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening. We are back. I was traveling. It's been a busy weekend, but it wouldn't stop us from the podcast. And joining me today, as often, Eric Cole is here. Hey, man. Hey, man. What's going on? You you are probably pretty tired because I think you've been home a grand total of about 45 seconds now. Yeah, I walked in and uh, we knew we were going to roll, and here we are rolling. So, uh, Forgive me if I start falling asleep in the middle of a sentence or something like that. But yeah, we, uh, you know, it's, it's podcast time and next week might be a little bit dicey for me in terms of Sunday night uh, recording time. This week was actually a little bit dicey too, but then I realized that I was going to be home, you know, in the neighborhood of 8 PM and that was enough time to get a podcast going. Cause next week it's going to be more like 11 and that's, that's a little bit more challenging unless Scott wants to roll deep into the night. So all that to say, thank you for joining me as always. Well, I mean, you know, Scott's on that, you know, that mountain, well, he's on mountain standard, I guess. So it's not too bad for him, really. Uh, yeah, where he lives is one of those bizarre places that goes, that doesn't switch. So it's two hours behind us half the year and three hours the other half. So I always forget what time it is for Scott, candidly, sure. whatever we talk. So yeah, it's one of those two. It's definitely earlier for him than it is for us, regardless. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're here to talk about some, you know, odds and ends and tidbits, stuff like that. There isn't, uh, there was a little bit of breaking news this week that we'll definitely touch on early in the podcast, but for the most part, spring spring training is, I guess, here officially. It's not necessarily happening yet. There's pitchers and catchers have arrived. People and players are mostly in at this point in time, but players don't, don't technically have to arrive until Monday. Most of them have. Uh, but the first full squad workout is Tuesday, and we're recording this Sunday night, so less than 48 hours away from that, Eric. At the top here, um, I asked Scott this last week, are you excited about, are you excited about this? Because spring training is a, uh, you know, it's always fun, and then you realize that it's not as fun as people think it is, like week, a weekend. But right now, it's still like, baseball's here, and baseball's here. See, I'm happy that baseball is back in general, and that we have things to actually talk about rather than kind of what the offseason is, as well as kind of like the general MLB offseason news that's been going on over the last, you know, I would say couple months, uh, particularly the last couple weeks have been particularly rough. But I will say that, like, I'm not looking forward to, like, the spring trading legend that pops up that, like, is a guy that we've never heard of as some journeyman. He hits three home runs in a game, and everyone's asking us why he's not on the roster. Um, so that sort of stuff I'm not super excited about, but like, who's going to get, who's going to get those final like two rotation spots is like a really interesting discussion, I think. And, you know, there's a couple like spots maybe on the bench that you, you know, you wonder what they're going to do and, you know, how is playing time ultimately going to get divided up and are we going to get a preview of that in spring training, things like that. But like, you know, some of the stuff that people are getting really like hot and bothered about, whether we like, you know, I think it's like Culberson and Marquecas are like, I think the two guys that have been highlighted as not being in camp yet. And like people had feelings about that, and I just don't understand why anyone would care either way about about whether or not, as long as everyone reports on time. Um, it was nice to see that there were some young guys that were like ahead of like you know uh, that came in ahead of schedule. You always like to see that sort of stuff because you know it just means that they're in camp and you know that they're healthy. But beyond that, I mean, I'm just glad that baseball's back, and it just seems like we're going to finally start getting looks, and we might get some words to kind of how guys are looking in camp, and maybe get an idea of what this roster is going to look like. Yeah, it's I'm I'm right there with you. Obviously, you're, we're already getting some of the uh, best shape of your life talk around uh, Yohan yep, yep. Camargo. So. Yeah, he 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 won the pool. If you guys were betting on him, it's uh, every like all of a sudden every beat writer was saying how good of shape he looked in, as though someone had told them 
you know, hey, look at how good a shape he's in. And then they all had to tweet it out, I guess. So isn't he, isn't he down like I saw I saw the numbers, so forgive me, I don't, I don't write this down. Is he's down like twenty something pounds? I've, yeah, like I yeah, yeah, he was down like he's down in the one eighties and he was above two hundred last year. So um and that's good because the, the weight that he was carrying last year wasn't good weight and you could kind of see it in how he was playing. So I mean obviously that's good news, but at the same time it's you know, obviously you would hope that everyone looks pretty good in spring training. So we'll see. Yeah, um, and before we go, before we go to other stuff, let's just do this now. Is there anything you're looking for? I mean, you're the guy who knows the system a lot better than I do. Obviously, um, is there is there any player thing you're looking for in spring training in particular? Because you know, I I, I kind of just roll with the punches and see what's going on. But you might have a good idea of something to actually watch for. I know Bryce Ball's gotten some attention, for instance, as a, as a prospect guy. Anything that's caught your eye already, or that will catch your eye in the next couple of weeks that you're actually looking forward to specifically? Well, I mean, anytime I get to see Bryce Ball hit a baseball, that's going to be a good time because you're talking about a guy who's a very full six six. He's a large man. Yeah, he's he's a he's a big dude, and you know he can hit balls in places that baseballs normally don't go. So, I mean, obviously that's going to be fun, but he's not a guy that's you know going to be pushing for playing time this year or anything, barring something crazy happening. Uh, I really want to see how Austin Riley looks because you he's a guy that you know had a real shot to kind of lock down a roster spot, um, struggled and got injured. Uh, after kind of really taking the world on fire when he first got called up. So I want to see kind of what changes he's made, how he kind of looks in at bats and things like that. I don't anticipate him starting with the big league club, but I could see that if, you know, he's made the adjustments necessary that he could be back up relatively quickly, especially if Carmargo uh, struggles. So it's kind of how he looks and, you know, just how all the prospects go. Cause I mean, you're going to have Pache and waters in camp and you want to see how they're looking because that's going to kind of how those guys look as like, you know, top 25-ish prospects in baseball. You want to see how they are playing and how what kind of shape they're in going into the season because that might dictate some of your plans with some of these other players like Ender Inciarte, you know, Nick Marquez, Adam Duvall, all those guys. You know, how close you think they are is going to, you know, ultimately kind of determine some of your strategic thinking going forward into the season. So I like how looking at all the young guys, and I really want to see kind of what Kyle Wright looks He's the he's the one guy that I think that could either latch onto a rotation spot and then not give it up the rest of the year, or he could get, be a guy that gets passed by several guys on like in terms of like getting consideration for that rotation spot because this would be his second time having a very open look at a rotation spot, and if he gives it away this time, it's gonna be kind of hard to see a path forward. Yeah, that's the guy to circle for sure. And even even my uh, my non-prospect brain has kind of circled that in my mind too. Because Wright's been divisive. I've seen some people like kind of almost not giving up on him necessarily, but um, you know, I saw some discussion this week from smart people that I trust talking about like kind of where he is in the pecking order now, the young arms, and how that might work out. And you know, obviously there's more there's more talk about guys like Ian Anderson now than there are about Kyle Wright. And it's just interesting to kind of see where he was once. Uh, the guy coming, I think, and that's not necessarily the feeling that everybody has now. It's definitely not past him necessarily, but because that's kind of you know the way it works is if you come up and don't experience success, you kind of fall behind in some people's minds and in the consciousness sometimes. So it's a good opportunity for him, and we'll, we'll touch on that more in a minute when we get to Cole Hamels and all that stuff. But uh, that is definitely a guy to circle, I would imagine. Yeah, and you know, again, it's kind of a lot of his doing, and it's particularly pronounced in this system because. There, the one place that there is a ton of depth is starting pitching. So, I mean, if you don't have a lot of success, there are f- literally four or five guys that are just waiting to take your job. It's just like it's not 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 you know down in Double A. And maybe if you were aggressive, you could put them in. I mean, they're sitting at Triple A right now, and if you struggle, they might just try someone else. And several of those guys are already on the forty-man roster. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about that obviously. As we get going. Uh, okay, last thing before we get to actual Braves talk here. Um, people were asking us for thoughts on the MLB fallout with the Astros. Uh, my my one window into this from Braves' standpoint is that Mike Fultz, Mike Fultz is big mad about this, which I find funny on Twitter. He's putting on a show, um, which I enjoy. Um, Fultz angry. And by the way, a former Astros prospect. Yeah, that, that, that didn't escape my notice that like a former Astros prospect is like probably one of the more vocal people, especially on the brave side, um, like on this whole thing. It's kind of wild. It is a little bit, but I mean, do you have thoughts on this? You know, people could probably follow. I'm not going to bring it. We're not, we're not, we're not going to be the news source on this right now, but uh, if you follow baseball at all, you have definitely heard about the fallout and uh, the apologies or lack thereof and kind of the mess that it's made. And um, I will say this uh, just 
as my real my real top line thought is that obviously the Astros have been ridiculous and they've kind of acted ridiculously throughout this process, including Jim Crane, the owner, who was kind of embarrassing this week. Um, but the commissioner's office has been, I wouldn't say maybe equally as bad, but man, they have not handled this well at all. And that's kind of where I keep coming back to because, you know, we follow the sport overall and um, – Rob Manfred has not covered himself in glory on this situation, I would say, because especially with now there's the there's the there's the beaning talk and uh, maybe suspensions for that kind of stuff. Maybe they're going to crack down on that. And uh, everybody's made this joke, but the first time someone gets beaned, they're going to have more of a suspension than any of the players did for participating in the scandal, which I find hilarious. So I, I don't know. I've said a lot of things without saying anything there, but do you have thoughts on uh, the Astros and MLB and all that stuff? Well, I mean, obviously what the Astros did was really, really bad, and they definitely – they got punished. And I I think that there is – there are folks who are just saying that, like, they just got off scot-free, and I don't think that's true because I do think that some of the penalties they got, particularly the draft picks, are, like, real penalties and ones that shouldn't be taken lightly. I am shocked at just how bad – the Astros hired a crisis PR team to deal with this and have that one press conference – where that was the one press conference they had to get right. <laughs> and and they did, somehow... They did, they did not. Spoiler alert. Somehow their best plan was give two players, like, make them make short statements, don't let them take questions, and then let Jim Crane say what he wanted to say. And that is what he came up with. I am blown away. I, I'd ask for my money back. I would be looking for a new PR team, a new media relations team. They've been comically bad. Like comically bad throughout. Not just this. There was the, the Brendan Taubman thing, where you know the him yep. yelling at the female, the group of female officer uh, um, reporters, and then there's you know just the Roberto Osuna stuff in general, and you know there was the you know the Guriel stuff with you know him potentially like yelling racial like epithets towards like you Darvish, and there's this all this stuff, and they just not handled any of it well. Not to mention the the Verlander thing, where you're like not letting a credentialed reporter into the locker room because Verlander doesn't like him. Oh, I forgot about that one. That that was an all timer. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean like <laughs> like it is impressive how bad they are at their job, like top to bottom in terms of like media relations and public relations. And I I don't know how you could be like they every time they're a situ- they, they could make a situation worse, they have. And now they keep trotting out players like the one player that they keep trotting out there to like keep talking about this because he at least showed some level of contrition is Carlos Correa. And then he's been kind of going off the rails today, too. So I'm just like, you guys just need to avoid cameras for a while and you need to get back to playing baseball because clearly the job of talking and dealing with the media and fans is not one that you're good at. Um, And, you know, for our Benford, it's kind of the same thing. Not as bad, though, just because he's defending the you know the the choice to not you know suspend any players which a lot of people were mad about they feel like these players should have been suspended uh i i kind of get what the argument that he's making is, is that i wouldn't have gotten this information at all if i didn't offer these players immunity and then there's also the you know the player grievances and all this other stuff that you have to factor into those decisions as to whether or not you can actually suspend anybody but at the end of the day like this entire, like the last twelve to eighteen months in baseball, between you know this scandal and how and relationships with the players' association being at all time lows, and then you look at how they've handled like the restructuring of minor league baseball and how minor league baseball has felt about that. All of this has been in a Rob Manfred's watch, and we've kind of all of a sudden gotten to the point now where it feels like that the twenty twenty season is a referendum on Rob Manfred's job, because there's a lot of people mad at him. It's not just one fan base. It's Basically, every fan base and every other team that's mad that they didn't do more to the Astros. And then I'm sure the Red Sox fans are going to have some particularly strong feelings about him soon. And I know the Astros fans aren't happy that they gave him any punishments at all and that they've been kind of continually throwing them under the bus at every opportunity. And, you know, it won't matter if baseball keeps making money. At the end of the day, if the owners are continuing to make money, then Manfred's job is safe. But if all of this impacts Major League Baseball's bottom line, then this could get really ugly for him in a hurry. That's kind of my bottom line thought, is that all of this noise around baseball, particularly with this Astros stuff, if that overall impacts the ability of the team to market its product and ultimately make make less money, then I don't think that the owners have any problems at all possibly looking elsewhere, especially when you look to a CBA that's on the horizon right now. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me 
just the way it's discussed. But, you know, people brought this up as well. Like, Bud Selig was kind of hated by a lot of people and got his job for a long time. So, like, it's really hard to figure out what's going to happen with the commissioner because the commissioner, at the end of the day... Selig was bad at things, to be fair. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just... I don't know. Being a commissioner is weird. People don't always focus on this, but commissioner... They're they're hired and basically they work for the owners. So it's yep. you have to piss off owners to lose your job. Basically, it's not necessarily a um, you know people think of commissioner of baseball as like being in charge of baseball, which is true, but it's also kind of not. <laughs> so it's uh it's weird. Yeah, the, 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 he is definitely on the owner's side. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which and... is the job. I mean, to be to be at least somewhat fair, that is the job because he's picked and works for the owners. And people people kind of just forget this. Uh, commissioner's office is not impartial. It, it's they work for the owner. They try they try to be, I'm sure, down the middle. But at the end of the day, it's the owners that decide whether he keeps his job and how much money he makes and all this all this stuff. So it matters. Yeah, and it's troubling then that somehow this this this, this media like this last seventy two to ninety six hours, I guess, is the best way I know how to describe it. Is has been so bad both by the on the league side as well as on the Astros side, that it, you have to be really bad to make me wonder, do the owners start losing confidence in Manfred? And it's been that bad. The reaction has not been good. And they haven't sold their side of the investigation very well. They haven't, you know, sold the fact that they've the punishments that they gave were enough. You know, like they're talking about like when Manfred's in an interview talking about, well, like, well, the players were punishment punished because they're going to have to deal with the shame the rest of their lives. Like that you shouldn't say that because they at the end of the day, I don't think anyone really believes that the players feel that bad that they ended up winning a World Series because of what happened. And it's not it's that's just not the tact that they should be taking right now. And again, at the end of the day, what matters to the owners is are they continuing to make money? Is the are they continuing to make more money? Is the game is are their revenue sources continuing to grow? And when you take into a factor, take into the factors that these TV contracts aren't continuing to explode and give these teams big influxes of money. If anything, those are going to come back. And that there's a product now that everyone is kind of focused on in general in a not positive light. If that comes back on man, if that happens then Manfred's in trouble. But if they continue to make money, then it ultimately none of this really matters. Yep, I totally agree. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm sure it's not over. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of fallout. And, uh, and then it, when games start happening, and real games, that people start paying attention for the first time, um, it'll happen all over again in about six weeks. So uh, strap in for all of that. Okay, uh, Eric, after all of that, we'll take a quick break now, and we'll come back with Cole Hamels and uh, more talk. All right, Eric, let's dig in a little bit here. Um, the big news this week on the Braves side of things was that Cole Hamels has some shoulder discomfort. I believe it's a uh, shoulder strain of some sort. He was uh, apparently injured doing a medicine ball drill, which is not ideal for an older guy to get injured this at this point in time. There is some buzz that he could be back in camp as early as the end of this coming week, which is a good thing. Um, although there is a at least some reporting that he won't be able to throw for a couple weeks. Um, the, the top line takeaway is that he won't be reevaluated for a while and is not going to be on the opening day roster as a result. Um, you know, not necessarily going to be a long-term thing by all accounts, but you know, Bowman floated like late April as a potential return date. That's that's more of a guess, but at the very least, we know Cole Hamels will not be in in the uh, first turn through the rotation and probably even another one beyond that, I would imagine, given the timetable. So, you know, big picture, is this a big deal? Probably not, unless he gets hurt and continues to be hurt. But a uh, small picture, as you alluded to earlier, there are two there are two spots available now, whereas we already knew the number five spot was going to be open between Sean Newcomb and Felix Hernandez and Kyle Wright, etc. Now they're going to be two for a while. So how does that change things, and are you worried about Cole Hamels? I worry as much as I did about Cole Hamels, if that makes any sense. He's an older guy. Just There's a lot of miles on the arm. Um, it, the optics were worse when it was kind of first being reported, and it made it sound like in like the first drill that he was at spring training, <laughs> yes. like he hurt him. He, he hurt himself when in reality he just never tried. He never traveled to spring training. He was sore, and the, the team just didn't say anything until you know they were looking around for him at spring training, and he wasn't there. So it's you know again these these things happen and. You definitely prefer to have it happen early in spring training as opposed to later just because that you can just get your you know everything reset and you could be out for significantly longer and have to get built back up. So 
you know, I don't, I don't like it, obviously, but you know, it's not something that like made my concern grow up appreciably, especially with a lot of the reporting coming out today that, you know, it sounds like it's a strain and that everything's looking good and that he should be back in camp relatively soon. Uh, and, you know, and might be able to get throwing a little bit earlier to where it's maybe, maybe it's not late April, maybe it's a little bit earlier than that. And, you know, missing a few turns in the rotation, that's not ideal, but maybe that ends up being good for him down the road, especially if he is healthy. Um, but we just don't, we don't the, the level of reaction that happened to this news where everyone's like, well, you know, we just threw away $18 million. I don't think that was ever fair. Um, it's just, you know, things happen. He had a little, he had a minor injury. Uh, hopefully it doesn't linger. Hopefully it's not more serious. Uh, you always kind of, when there's a shoulder involved, you always kind of worry a little bit uh, just because pitchers and shoulders, those are two words and sentences that really can cause a lot of anxiety in general. But, you know, this just sounds like he was just uncomfortable doing a drill and he, they're just kind of being extra safe with him, particularly since he's an older guy. So, Again, I'm not, I'm not super worried. Uh, this doesn't seem make it more likely that Kyle Wright just makes the rotation. Just, you know, it's not as much. There's not as much competition for. It, it's hard to bump him out of two spots. Might you might be able to bump him out of one if you're kind of convince yourself. And this does make it more likely that we'll see King King Felix in a in a Braves uniform for sure. Which yeah, I was I was going to ask you. Let's let's do this now because I asked I asked Scott about this a little bit last week. You know, Felix. <laughs> All of the framing before the Hamilton injury was basically as if the number five spot was going to be some battle between Newcomb and Felix, which kind of surprised me and surprised Scott, because um, as you as you referenced, you have Wright and maybe even Wilson, and other guys who are in the mix there. But it was it was at least being framed by the local guys as almost a two man race, which surprised me. Um, but Felix has a clear path now. I, I kind of think Felix is done, and I said that last time, but I hope he's not. It'd be, it'd be nice if he was sort of reclaimed and uh, was able to be himself here. But I mean. I'm, we're going to save our full blow rotation takes for our rotation preview, but sounds like you're leaning to Felix and maybe Kyle Wright as your guesses at this very early stage. Well, let me see what Felix looks like. Cause yeah. I mean like, uh, cause look, I love Felix. He was very good and underappreciated for a really long time. Um, he's has a lot of miles miles in that arm and the last few years have not been kind to him. And I, I I'm with you. I just, I don't think he's, I don't think he's the guy to go into the season with. And I would be thrilled to be wrong about that because, you know, when he was good, I mean, he was one of the best pitchers in the league, you know, by all accounts, a great guy. And just, you know, overall just, it would be an amazing story that, you know, he reclaimed, you know, his his career at this stage, you know, with the Braves, and it would be great to see him. Uh, I think it's more likely that it would be like a Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson type situation. I'm still skeptical that Newcomb's going to be able to stick in the rotation, um, although I must admit that the amount of noise made by Newcomb and the Braves regarding Newcomb's desire to be in the rotation, I'm not willing to just completely ignore that. But, you know, this is a guy that's had a couple shots at it, and I'm – Color me a little skeptical, even though I agree that, you know, in terms of like pure arm talent, you know, he should be in consideration. Yeah, I think I'll uh, I'll go with you on all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, the, obviously the big takeaway is Camels, and hopefully he's back. And I'm not I'm not worried. It's not good news, obviously. Um, but people, I think again, managing expectations is going to be crucial with someone like Camels. Like, yes, he got he got a bunch of money for one year, but. He got a bunch of money for one year to be a solid option, not an ace. So, like, you're paying for what you're hoping to be, like, a third starter kind of player. And uh, yeah. he, he can still be that. It's not, not going to be a problem if he's not um, if he's not ready to go right away as long as he pitches well when he pitches. But, um, you know, it's not a great start, <laughs> obviously. When, when, the first, when the first big news out of spring training is an injury to a guy that you need to be pretty good, it's not, it's not good. Well, I mean, yeah, but the same thing happened to Mike Soroka last year, you know, he, and, you know, he missed some time. And did, did he have a good year last year? Yeah, he had a very good was year, he, Brad. Was he, was he pretty good? Uh, he, was, he was quite good. I, I heard he finished rather high in the Rookie of the Year voting. He he did. Um, you know, we should, probably should have won it, but alas. Um, no, I get it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was just for you. That was, that was just for oh, you. Oh, you speak right to my heart there. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, la- quick, quickly on the rotation, uh, this is not going to probably factor in there, but Josh Tomlin's back which I wanted to sneak in there. He's probably going to be more of a long man option if he makes the team, but a minor league deal for Josh Tomlin, the legend himself. He, he, for, for, a guy, for the long guy that occasionally you can throw out there and start and be perfectly reasonable, I have no issues. Like it's just That's a perfectly fine signing. I'm a little bit surprised that another team didn't pick him up on a major league deal. 
Yeah, I mean, he was pretty good last year. He wasn't great. Like, his peripherals were not as inspiring as his ERA was, but his ERA was, in, it was what, 3.7 or so. Um, he, he never walks anyone, ever, which I appreciate, as someone who appreciates guys who don't walk anybody. Um, you know, he's never going to blow anybody away, but Tomlin, in the role he was in, was perfectly adequate. So if he looks like the guy he was last year, then, yeah, keep him around. Why not? And I want to at least mention that, since it, uh, that was the other sort of transaction. That was only, I think the only transaction that happened of real note in the last seven days. So there you go on that. Um now we get to a segment called Lists, Eric, which I know always I great. Do, I do love lists. Always great podcast fodder. One of them is a major league list. The other ones that I want to ask you about are minor league lists. So we'll start with major league first. Uh, MLB Network's Top 100 came out this week. Um, there were some reactions. I don't want to get too deep into it because I just don't care all that much. But there were four guys from the Braves on the Top 100 list. It was Ronald Acuna at 12 and the highest for the Braves. Freddie Freeman at 15. Ozzy Albies at 55, and your boy, Mike Soroka, at 67, yes. uh, which was appropriate because he was very good last year. Um, those are the four that you would expect to be on there, frankly. Um, was there anybody that even had a case? I mean, I guess maybe Ozuna, like, at the very, very end would have had maybe a chance. But that was – if you asked me ahead of time which guys will be on the top 100 list, I would have given you those, those four names. Yeah, I'm actually really happy that Ozzy was ranked as high as he was because, I mean, there, there's a reasonable argument that he should be ranked higher. And I worry sometimes with him that he kind of gets overlooked with Freddie and, uh, and Acuna on the team, just how good he was last year. And like he's put it together two really good years, uh, despite kind of his first year being a little, well, I guess the, I say I say first year. Uh, since 2018 was kind of up, was very up and then down. Um, but between that and last year, I mean, this is a guy who's one of, if not the best second baseman in baseball. And I, I am glad that he got some love. Uh, I would have put Ozuna in like the back of like the very back of the top 100, but I'm not like losing my mind over it. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like there's a lot of relievers that were like pushed up this list just because you kind of feel like it felt like they were kind of they felt like they had to, um, and things like that. So like I, I don't really like get worked up about these types of lists because at the end of the day it's all subjective and it's it is going to be a little bit weird in some respects. Um, but you know, Ronnie being the at Ronnie and Freddie being in top 15. It's obviously a good sign. People seem to be thinking highly of them, uh, and they should for with you know with good reason. And beyond that, you know, no, th- none of this list does not matter during the season. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's oh not no, like, I mean none, none, of, this, like none of this list actually matter at all. But um, it's actually fun. You know, as I cover the NBA quite a bit, um, and top one hundred lists have become like a whole cycle unto themselves in the offseason in the NBA. Like top one hundred current player lists have just become this whole thing that every single outlet does one, basically. And I understand why, because they drive content and they drive discussion. But um, this kind of reminded me that I'm surprised there isn't more of this, honestly, in baseball. Like, MLB Network kind of rolled it out, and it happened, it got some attention. But, like, not every site does them in the way that they do for NBA players. Yeah, it's kind of in, in, in baseball, it's been more like power rankings of teams. And that's been true. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like everybody does that, too. But, like, I don't know. It's I'm not complaining, because don't, we, don't, we don't need it. I don't think, but it just more of that. Oh, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more because of just the reaction that is always going to draw because somebody somewhere is going to be mad about their ranking. And that is, you know, for as much as this pains me, it's, it's good content. It just kind of is like, for instance, Ozzy should be higher. Like, like you referenced, I think if we're, if we're being objective and I think we're, we try to be on this podcast, I, I do think that Ozzy is a top 50 player in major league baseball. If you go off what he's done and what he probably will do. Um, but I'm not like angry about it. Somebody is somewhere. I mean, it's a uh, you know yeah. The, the one that got everyone was Soto right ahead of Acuna. I was gonna say that. like Soto Soto Acuna has been a rivalry the entire time since it came up, which is it's fun. And I'm, I'm glad those guys came in at the same time and they're contemporaries. And it'll be a thing that happens forever as long as they stay in the National League East, especially. But um, that is the one that it, it felt like an NBA thing to me, which is not a criticism. It's just what it was like. It was a one versus one. You know, you know, everyone was kind of surprised. I wasn't stunned because I think Soto is a better has been a better hitter, but Acuna is a better better player. So it's like, yeah, it just kind of depends on. I mean, look, there's it's personal there's preference. Arguments. Yeah, there's definitely arguments. You know, like, we think that Soto is just a better hitter. I am. I feel very confident that Acuna is the better player, and that Acuna should have. I would have ranked Acuna higher. I agree. I do think, however, that one consideration is that if you make this ranking of sort of one ahead of Acuna, you're guaranteeing yourself about 10,000 more clicks because Braves fans are going to be coming in mass mad about it. 
uh, where it might not necessarily be the case with the Nationals fan base. So, like, and they again, were like, people were mad. I saw I, we saw them. Oh, they were. they were they were they were upset. <laughs> were upset. Uh, even though it doesn't matter, and you know, it's not gonna. <laughs> it doesn't affect anything. And again, Soto's a very very good player and a like a, an incredible hitter. So like, like them being in the same tier and same discussion. Like, yeah, they're they're. They're they are two of the best young players in baseball, right there. Yes, they are. Full full stop. Oh, last thing I want to ask you: Are you okay with Ronnie over Freddie? Because it feels like the, uh, the the number one slot's been passed on uh, in some respect. Obviously, that's, that's a little bit more of a it's, a little, it's probably more than we need to talk about it. But. I, I I didn't get the chance to read it, but I'm pretty sure Freddie today said that he thinks that Acuna is going to win the MVP this year. So the short answer to your question is: I don't think Freddie cares at all. So no, he I've, he shouldn't care. Yeah. And I, I am someone who almost always leans on what we've already seen. Like I'm the guy who wants to trade prospects more often than not, for instance, like there is safety and knowing and having projection. And Freddie's been so good for so long that it does feel a little odd that he wouldn't be considered the best player on the Braves. But I also think that he's not the best player on the Braves anymore. Um, so I, I, I don't weird. think he is. And Freddie's coming off an injury. I mean, he had surgery. So like, look, Oh, was, was he and, hurt, Eric? I didn't hear anything about that. Was was Freddie Freeman injured at the end I of mean, the season? I mean, he played the last regular season series, so I'm not really sure what the problem is. <laughs> oh, but. God. <laughs> we, 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 did it, we, did, we did it last week with Scott and I. We uh, we, we, we talked around that. But uh, listen, Freddie's healthy and apparently was roping the ball in his first uh, action in the cage. So I'm, I'm excited to see Freddie hit, hit the ball again and be healthy. And apparently he was hurt for so long that... You know, maybe that explains part of why he seems to cool off at the end of the season the last couple of years. So that's uh, I mean, maybe a sure. fresh start. Yeah, and again, like the like Acuna and Freddie are going to be MVP candidates this year. Like, I could see a world where Freddie is better than Acuna, and that involves him. You know, like we've seen stretches from Freddie where you can't get him out, and he's he's a monster. And if that happens. Acuna can still be great, and it then and then this team could really be going places because then you've got two guys like that going like that. But Acuna just has so many things that he can damage can damage you with. I mean, Freddie is a pure hitter, one of the best we've seen in a long time. And but Acuna, you know, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to hit thirty home runs and drive in a bunch of guys to beat you. You know, he can steal a ton of bases. He's already kind of talked with Ozzy about trying to go for fifty fifty this year, which is insane um and i'm not sure the bridge is going to let him run that much but you know it's you know when you're lo- when you're talking about Acuna, like the sky's the limit in terms of his overall what he can do and what he can be in this game whereas in freddie you know there's things about his game that he's incredibly good at in other words i mean look he's not gonna be stealing 20 bases this year you know and he is a first baseman so there's a limit to the value that he can provide but that doesn't mean that he can't win the nl mvp this year either because if he you know hits like we've seen him hit at times like he's going to kind of get more and more recognition and that's been happening over the last couple of years anyway. So again, this is a good problem to have, not one that's a knock on any either guy. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously Freddie has to, the only way Freddie is better than Ronald Acuna at this point in, in his career is if he just hits markedly better because Freddie, because Ronnie is better at everything else than Freddie. I mean, I'm, I'm not a truther on Freddie's defense. Like it's fine, but I think we could all agree that, non-hitting factors go firmly in Ronald Acuna's direction. So Freddie has to be so much a better hitter than Ronald Acuna is to be a better player. And I can't project that anymore. I, I think I actually do. Th- you know, if you, if you made me choose who's a better hitter for this year, I might tell you still Freddie, but when you throw, when you, when you throw everything else in, I would, I would go with Ronnie. So there you go. Yeah, And, th- and then there's just the chance that Ronnie just goes wild. And yeah. I mean, so the upside, much- I don't think that Freddie, I mean, is it possible that Freddie has like a, best ever season at this point sure it is it's not impossible but you know you know the normal trajectory of the way players age in a way that they sort of pop the guy with the upside is obviously the younger guy so there you go oh last thing on the top 100 list josh donaldson number 26 that poured a little salt in the wound he doesn't play for the braves brad he does not just want to point that out there i think he used to play for the braves he um, did in fact play for fairly, fairly recently mm-hmm. um all right let's move on uh, quickly here, I'm not going to read all the names. There were, I gathered four, like top hundred like prospect lists. And for the most part, we leave the minor league talk to, uh, yourself and others on the road to Atlanta podcast, which is on the same feed. So subscribe today, please subscribe today. Yes. Subscribe Get um, two for one. Usually you leave that stuff to you, but because I can digest a list and I saw a lot of these lists, 
Uh, I want to ask you on this podcast, this sort of a crossover event. Did anything surprise you on the lists? And by the way, these lists that we're talking about are Baseball Prospectus, MLB Pipeline, Baseball America, and Fangraphs are the ones that I pulled and saw. Um, by the way, a clean sweep for Christian Pache as, as the number one prospect for the Braves, which is not a huge surprise, but I uh, wanted to put that out there. And other guys who were on all of the lists, um, Drew Waters and Ian Anderson, and I believe Kyle Wright. Yeah, Kyle Wright was on all, all, on all of them as well. Those are the only guys that made all of the lists. Thoughts on any of them or none of them? Um, I, you know, there was just definitely, there was definitely like a couple lists that just gave Langoliers kind of the, the bump just because he was a, like a top 10 pick. Um, and I'm not saying that he won't end up being, you know, a top 100 prospect this year, but it was, it was kind of interesting to see the two, the two lists where there was very clearly draft pedigree was taken into account versus it wasn't. Um, and Again, I really like Langoliers. Um, I we had him, we had Contreras ranked slightly ahead of him, so I probably would have given Contreras the consideration at the back back part of the top 100 over him. Um, but th- again, that's just kind of a personal preference thing. Um, I do think that there seems to be a pretty strong consensus amongst a lot of folks that Waters is the second best prospect in the system, which is why it's a little bit surprising that Prospectus had Anderson at two. Um, but I have had. I have had issues reading baseball prospectuses prospect stuff for a while anyway. Um, I just, I don't, it's, it's hard for me to understand what the decision making prospect process is. I know that David Lee is someone I have a ton of affection for, and he puts out a lot of good information for their list. I don't know how much impact impact he has on the actual composition of that list though. And I do wonder if there's some things happening behind the scenes that kind of make those lists seem wonky. Cause every time I look at those lists every year, there's like, significant sections of it and it's not braves related necessarily so much as just what are what's what 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 is the thought process here um but i will say that they were the one list that gave kyle muller some love and muller would look really good last year so you know again it's kind of there we there's definitely some weirdness to prospect rankings in general especially when you're comparing guys who are like at single a to triple a and you know trying to compare across leagues and you know get, going through that many names you're just never going to be exactly right but Overall, I think they got the right. They're talking about the right guys, and that's a good thing. Yeah, well said. I have I have no takes ever, basically on this stuff. <laughs> so I wanted to at least give you the opportunity because they were out there, and uh, I think we wrote about all of them at some, at different times, at least in newsy form. I talking talkingchop dot com. So check them out if you missed them. And uh, as always, I will say this: so Eric, Eric does not have to. I would just read our prospect list, and they're more. I would say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Better, Eric. Better is the word. I'm kidding. Uh, Look, I mean, like, I'm not ever going to say that our list is going to be perfect. And ultimately, as long as we're you're talking about guys in tears and that you're getting the information about whether whether you have a peripheral preference about a profile about a guy, you know that that will impact where you rank a guy. But as long as you're kind of getting this is what this player is and this is what he could be, correct? And you're kind of talking about guys not just based on pedigree and what someone else told you they should be. And rather than actually and actually watching the games and following those guys, however you choose to rank them, that's fine. You know what I mean? Just more information is better. And we're really proud of the list that we put out. But there's a lot of really good information out there from a lot. Of, I mean, it's not just rankings. It's podcasts. It's there's articles. There's a lot of really smart people out there writing stuff. Um, and if you read enough of it, you can kind of decide for yourself who's actually watching these players play and who's just trying to get attention for themselves and maybe isn't doing that. So. Our, uh, our guys are watching the prospects. I know that much. I, uh, I trust you guys as my authority. And that's honestly all the prep I usually need. And granted, as I make fun, I make fun of myself all the time about this. I'm not the guy to go to on this stuff, but I read everything that goes into those um, on the site, on all those lists. And uh, I also have the luxury of being able to message you and ask you questions if I need to. So that's nice for me, but yeah, check out our stuff. That's, that's more than, more than enough. I would say. Yeah. It's the, it's, it's the special DMs. Those are those, those are the ones that you're, in, you're, 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 you're in the special slack group. Oh uh. uh, yes, we did it. Um, okay. Last thing, Eric, before we get out of here on this fine Sunday evening, um, a certain projection, um, came out this week that drew some ire. I think I was the first person that talked about it on Twitter. Cause I, uh, I'm always looking for projections and gambling and over-unders and stuff like this. Um, baseball, because you're degenerate. That's yeah. probably true. Uh, baseball prospectus came out with their, uh, Pakoda win projections. And that's a, it's a model, obviously Pakoda, just like, you know, zips or, you know, five 538s model or whoever you want to go to is a model that generates uh, projected standings. Um, and, 
news was made because it projected the Braves with 83 wins, which is, of course, a lot less than last year, and a third-place finish in the National League. I'm going to give you the couple the couple of caveats that are important to point out here before I crap on them. Um, number two in the National League in that projection has less than 88 wins projected. So something in their model is bringing everything, other than the Dodgers, is bringing up the entire National League sort of into the middle. Um, and people were pointing out um, last year, obviously the Braves won 97 games. I think if you look at any model from last year or just even in reverse, um, no system would tell you that the Braves were a true 97 win team last year by the numbers. They were more of like a low 90s win team. Obviously, that doesn't matter because they won 97 games, and that's what actually mattered. But just keeping that in mind as well. So people were like, how do you drop 14 wins from last year to this projection? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you now, they're not dropping it from 97. They're probably dropping it from 90-91, from something like that. But all that to say, um, 83 is too low, and everyone knows it. So it's one of those funny things where we're often... I think at least I am often accused of being, uh, you know, too pessimistic and all that stuff. And even I thought, and I, that's why I tweeted it immediately. It was like, wait, 83 seems comically low. And uh, it seems comically low to me. Yeah. I, look, I, projection systems are interesting in that the win totals that they project are the product of a model. And they aren't the product of what's done on the field. And Yes, there are things that happen in game in games that are weird that result in you know those numbers not being quite correct. But at least it gives you a general idea of what the quality of the team is and kind of what they're good at, what they should be good at, what they should be not good at, things like that. Like kind of general ideas. At the end of the, the days, they're just kind of predictions. They're never exactly right. This one seems comically bad. Like I don't know what numbers they're using to accomplish what they're trying to get to, and it makes it feel like that there isn't enough thought being put into their projection system if they're pulling so many people towards the middle other than one team that it's really accomplishing anything beyond projecting other numbers other than wins, right? So I I don't think that I, – I think this is a team – look, I have, I've already stated my opinion. I think that the Braves are the favorite in the division. Um, I'm not really sure how you can drop a team eight wins when – they're like overall probably pretty close to the same. Again, there's arguments as to whether or not they're a little bit better or a little bit worse. Right. That we, we've, we've been ha- we've been hashing it out. And we'll do it again, not, by the way. I mean, we're we're still going to do like our yeah. our official predictions later on. But what you said there is at, at the core of this. Even if you are generous, and I think it does make some sense to go off of a low 90s baseline from last year. I don't think anybody could look at the team this year versus last year and say that that, that the team is eight wins worse. Even if it's eight wins, like 14 is another discussion all enti- entirely because 97 was 97. But even if you're generous and go off of 90-91, you know, if you didn't, you, it's it's okay. Honestly, I think it is okay right now to say the Braves aren't as good as they were last year. Even if I don't necessarily believe that, that is a perfectly reasonable opinion. I don't right. see a world in which you can say they are eight, nine, ten wins worse than last year. That that I don't that I don't I don't see as a possibility. I mean, is it possible? Sure, it is. I mean, one or two things go wrong, injuries, etc. But just as a roster baseline, projecting them to be you know seven, eight, nine wins worse than last year based on the roster right now doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't. No, and and putting them in third place in the division too. I mean, like all of a sudden, like you're just like really because i mean like you look at some of the losses from the other teams and what's going on with them and it's just it it doesn't make the project the projection systems and projection systems in general look good and seem useful when you have things like this occur in them if that makes any sense like it's just it it, it, they become less interesting thoughtful thought exercises and more hey we made a system that made some really weird predictions and you know you should look at them you know what I mean? It just doesn't feel like there was... Considering all these other projection systems are... I imagine aren't going to have this. Um, if they do, then you know we have some things to talk about, I guess. But I just don't think that any of them are going to have the Braves this low. And they won't. It just, it just doesn't... It just doesn't feel like whatever numbers they're using, it's they're prioritizing using proprietary data and a system that is so different from everyone else's because they wanted it to be different from everyone else's as opposed to getting the information right. Yeah, I think, you know, it will surprise me if any of the major systems, whether it be Zips or 538 or wh- whoever else comes out in the coming days will be this low. And that's kind of why I want to talk about it. It's it, it does feel like an outlier. 
in some respects. The the other one that I've seen so far that's not a projection system, but actually it's a it's a human projection. Uh, USA Today released theirs, and they had the Braves at 92 wins and in first place. Um, that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Um, there was one more model that came out, but it's one of those like black boxes. Action Network, who does um, gambling stuff, and I am a subscriber to that service. Um, they projected their model has 89 wins for the Braves, but that's also number that's also first in the division. So that feels reasonable to me. I mean, again, a lot of systems bring teams that are not like super duper elite like the Dodgers. They bring them to the middle. So no one should be surprised that you see like a big clump in the middle. But um, 89 in, in first place in the National League East is, you know, again, fairly reasonable, I think. So I don't know. We'll see what happens here. But I, I think most systems are going to have the Braves as probably a top two team in the National League East. Somewhere in the, you know, maybe high 80s, low 90s in win total. And uh, if any of those happen, I will not be surprised at all. Yeah, I mean, again, that seems about right. You you could convince me that they're a low 90s team. You can convince me that they're like high 80s, like in terms of like projecting. And beyond that, you know, you know how the close games go will kind of determine how much above or below they go there. But in terms of like starting, like a starting projection, well, 83 is just too low. It just is. Yeah, I uh, agree. All right, Eric, we've we've done we've done plenty, I believe, on this evening. I will say. As a look forward, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the first full squad workout is Tuesday. The first baseball game is on Saturday against the Orioles. Um, you know, the games are not always fantastic this time of year. I, I'm reminding myself of that as well, especially early on in spring training. But um, there will be competitive baseball played on Saturday. And there's going to be a lot of people that you'd have no idea who they are playing it. And that's okay. <laughs> because baseball's being played. Yeah, you'll want it on. And if it's uh, there, there's a TV schedule that's made the rounds, I think it's up on the site, and you can find when the Braves will be projected on television screen in the next month plus. And uh, as, a, as we alluded to multiple times on the podcast, we are planning to sort of ramp up now. We'll, we will do our usual tent polls, and the, those are rotation preview, bullpen preview, lineup preview. Those are three separate shows. And then the uh, last show before opening day will be our uh, – roundtable predictions and hopefully we'll try to all weigh in between you and me and scott at least talk about um you know what's going to happen and get some nonsense on the record that we can be made fun of for later because we'll we'll miss on something almost certainly oh yeah for sure in fact the braves made the braves made me look stupid the last two seasons in a row so i'm I'm okay with that um in fact i I, I prefer it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. In your in your particular case, yes, it is, that is a positive result when uh, they out they overperform your per- projections. I will say, I did want to, and I, I didn't realize this, and I haven't actually confirmed it, but the Astros, I think, are the last series or one of the last series. They are the last the series because um, we talked about this. I think it was a while ago now, but we joked before. This is before all this stuff happened. We joked that the Astros. It's actually probably good to have the Astros at the end of the, of the year because they would have have everything wrapped up and wouldn't be trying. Um, but this time it'll have a little bit of extra um, emphasis, even if it wouldn't already, because it's a little bit strange to, you know, not play them all year and have them at the very, 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 very end of the season and be playing an interleague game um, on the last day of the year. But uh, it's even weirder now. Yeah, see, I, I and I haven't even looked at if it's a home or a road series, but maybe think of the promotional idea that if you have the Astros late in the season, I'm sure that some of the early season promotional stuff's already happened or already been made, but making a little trash can with a little mallet that you can hit <laughs> when they come into town, that's 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 a that's 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 a promotional item that would be an all timer. And I started thinking about whether or not the Braves would do it, but I think that might actually be a road series, so it might not matter. But still, it's pretty. pretty I thought it was pretty funny. That would be unfortunate if it's a road series, but we'll come back to that, I'm sure. Um, all right, Eric, anything anything to plug other than Road to Atlanta, which I, I know will be ramping up in the coming days as well. Uh, anything else going on in your world? Um, well, I posted. In like the last week, week and a half, I've posted four different prospect interviews. People asked a lot for those. So I made sure I made a few of those happen before the season got started and those guys reported. Um, so you can make sure you look at the site for interviews with Michael Harris, Justin Dean, Casey Kallick, and my brain just turned off and Stephen Paolini. Uh, nice wide range of varying experience levels and, you know, Guys who are really, really interesting, and I really enjoy talking to them. Uh, we're also already kind of slowly ramping up our draft coverage because while it's the draft's in June, you know, college baseball is starting up, and you know, we're already kind of getting word on some high school guys and all of that. So, you know, Matt's already putting in some work. I know Wayne's gonna have something coming out too. Uh, Aaron's already chomping at the bit, looking at college uh, college baseball as well. So overall, like we're already kind of slowly ramping that up, and we're just kind of getting ready for the season. It's gonna be fun. 
looking forward to it and always uh, follow Eric and follow the prospect guys. And uh, yeah, you're doing double duty. I'm as always getting ready for the season, talking about minor league camp and major league camp and yeah, you're busy. It's yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm all over the place, especially running uh, Daily Dish too. So it's not it's not just Bay Braves. I'm kind of everywhere right now. I get to write an article about Rob Manfred tonight and tomorrow. I'm yes, you excited. do. Enjoy that. Yeah, I am about to sign off and go watch the NBA All Star Game, which will be fun. I know Scott is, I'm sure, deep in NBA All Star Game right now, wherever he is. Because last week on the podcast, he was uh, giving me his bad NBA takes. Yeah, Eric, awesome. did, you, did you watch the dunk contest last night? I did not watch the dunk contest, oh, but I, I did. I did boo. hear. It was, okay, first of all, I have kids. No, it, it was it was it was funny. Somebody tweeted at us um, before we started recording um, when we were teasing the podcast and said all they wanted to hear from us was about the dunk contest and Rob Manfred and MLB. So we gave him half of it. I uh, I clipped back to that person that uh, this is not exactly the audience the dunk contest takes. I don't think um, I had some takes, but I'm going to save them for another place. But. I just want to see yeah, you watch it. Make sure you listen to Brad on the Locked On Hawks podcast to hear those takes because he's uh, going to be sharing them. So, and that's that's another podcast feed that you can hear Brad's voice talking about basketball. Yeah, and if you he wanna, talks about basketball a lot. If you for if you for some reason like the Atlanta Hawks, um, check out that podcast. All right, Eric. what are you talking about? They have look, they have Trey Young, they have John Collins, they have guys that you like. No, the Hawks the Hawks are actually fun. I don't think there's a massive crossover between the two fan bases. But uh, they do exist. People people do like both teams, which is, I appreciate. So if you, yeah, if, if for some reason you don't know that I cover the Hawks, um, I can't imagine. For our listeners, that, if you are both a fan of the Hawks and the Braves, please tweet at Brad so that he knows that you know there are those that are listening to his voice talk about baseball that are also fans of his work on talking about basketball. So that way he can you know, at least have hope that you know it's not simply so segmented in terms of fan bases that people just like sports in general like him. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, Eric, I appreciate your ministry, as always, here on the podcast. Love you. All right, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the show. Please leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the podcast, and I hope that you do if you're listening to it at this point, especially in the show. And uh, as I said before, maybe not maybe not Sunday night this week. I'm not sure how my schedule is going to break down, but we will definitely have content in the near future. Check us out. We'll see everybody next time.